Our New Testament passage comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 21, verses 5 through 19. When some were speaking about the temple, how it was adorned with beautiful stones and gifted, dedicated to God, he said, As for these things that you see, the days will come when not one stone will be left upon another. All will be thrown down. They asked him, Teacher, when will this be, and what will be the sign that this is about to take place? And he said, Beware that you are not led astray, for many will come in my name and say, I am he, and the time is near. Do not go after them. When you hear, the war, when you hear of wars and insurrections, do not be terrified, for these things must take place first. But the end will not follow immediately. Then he said to them, Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes and in various places famines and plagues. And there will be dreadful portents and great signs from the heaven. Before all this occurs, they will arrest you and persecute you. They will hand you over to the synagogues and prisons. And you will be brought before the kings and governors because of my name. This will give you an opportunity to testify. So make up your minds not to prepare your defense in advance, for I will give you words and a wisdom that none of your opponent, opponents will be able to withstand or contradict. You will be betrayed even by parents and brothers, by relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. You will be hated by all because of my name. But not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your souls. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God within us, and for the word of God amongst us. Thanks, Thanks be to God. Um, after the Boston Marathon bombing, uh, after kind of the, the shock of, of it all, um, I started thinking about all those who had prepared and trained in order to run in this marathon. Uh, uh, I have never ran in a marathon uh, of, of any portion, um, but uh, I know people who did, and I know people whose ultimate goal was to run the Boston. And in order to run the Boston, you had to qualify in a number of other marathons in order to get to that place. And I remember just thinking that there were all these people who had been um, practicing and dedicating themselves to this goal of someday crossing the finish line at the Boston Marathon, and that opportunity was taken away from them. And obviously not the biggest loss uh, as a result of that attack, but a loss nonetheless nonetheless, one that would be devastating. To prepare and train, to have hope and excitement, and there you are, race day, um, miles in, imagining crossing that finish line, only for that finish line uh, to be literally blown up. And I wonder if you have had anything in your life that was like that. Anything in your life where you had prepared, 
you had dedicated yourself to with this ultimate goal and you pushed yourself and you pushed yourself and you sacrificed, you dedicated yourself and things were coming to fruition. You might not be at the finish line yet, but you could see it into the distance. You were on track and then something happened. Something changed before your dream was able to come true, your dream came crashing down. Maybe it was a position that you thought was um, next, that was yours, that you were next in line for, that would have set you up for the long haul, only for them to go with somebody else. Maybe it was a companion who you thought uh, you could give yourself to, that they would understand you in ways that others wouldn't understand. Only for that companion uh, to desert you. I've known a number of people who um, had tried for, for a long time to get pregnant and that there was this hope of what their family would be once they had a child and they get pregnant, and only in their pregnancy they, get a, they have a miscarriage. And all of a sudden, this hopes and dreams of what their life would be, it was so close, yet so far away, and came crashing down. And while it might seem odd to us, this temple that the disciples and Jesus' followers were standing under was the sign and the symbol of a better future. And despite the fact that they were currently occupied by Rome, it gave them hope. It gave them hope that they might be the Israel. They might be the Hebrew people. They might be the people of God that the prophets had told about. And that this temple was a sign in all of its glory and in all their splendor was a symbol of all the glory that they would receive. That finally they would be these people. And it was being built by, for decades and decades and decades. And in the midst of the construction process, Jesus comes on the scene and Jesus visits the temple like, um, like a, a good Jew would. And coming out of the temple... His followers are admiring this sign, this symbol, this place that was not just a place of belonging, but a stamp, a stamp on who the people of God truly were. And Jesus comes along and says that this sign and this symbol is going to come crushing down. That whatever you were hoping that this temple meant ultimately will not come to fruition. That everything that you're observing is going to come crashing down. And for the Hebrew people, this is the last thing that they needed. Because they had been through so much already. They had already been through one temple that had come crashing down. They'd been slaves in other countries. 
They've been in exile only to return to their own country um, under the power of another nation. And here Jesus comes along and essentially says, don't get your hopes up. This isn't your ticket out of here. And just in case you were thinking that I was your ticket out of here, I'm not. I'm not going to make things better for you either. In fact, uh, things are going to be just as bad, if not worse, because of me. Ugh. (laughs) And he warns the people that things will get worse And the people are going to show up on the scene and they're going to try and convince you that shortly, if you follow them, if you trust in them, if you give your money to them, things will turn around. It's just a matter of time. They've got the answer. They've got the trick. So just trust in them and everything will be over quickly before you even know it. And Jesus warns and says, like prophets of old, there is no quick fix to pain and suffering. False prophets will come along and tell you that there is a quick fix to pain and suffering. And it's just not true. Don't trust anybody who tells you that. A real motivator tonight. A real feel-good sermon for you. And I don't need to um, paint some picture that you haven't experienced. You understand what hopelessness is like. And oftentimes when another thing comes crashing down, the thing that you were betting on, the thing that you would put all your chips on because this might be the one, and that doesn't pan out, we ask, well, what the heck is this all for? When will this ever end? Why am I going through all of this? And in the midst of this horrible message that Jesus gives, he has this one little line. A little line that essentially says, all this is leading you to a testimony. This whole process of suffering is leading you to a testimony, a story. That through all of this, it is developing this story, and a significant story. A story of power, a story that has strength behind it, that has infrastructure behind it. Because this story wasn't quickly put together. No, this story was painstakingly built. And in this room, there are these stories. These stories that you hold. Stories that if you tell us, they would break our heart. And we'd be amazed that you're still here and still standing. And Jesus says, 
these testimonies, this opportunity for a testimony, don't worry about creating an essay. Don't worry about doing research behind it and having footnotes with it. Let it come from within. I'm certainly not an academic, which I don't need to tell you. But one thing that I, I unfortunately keep finding myself in the academic world, um, one thing that I don't like about the academic world is the formality. Uh, not just the formality that, um, that our work is supposed to be done in, but just the formality of the institution itself that then turns people into formal people. And Jesus is saying that this testimony should not have formality. That you should rely on the story that Jesus has given you. This story that you have has power and that people cannot stand against it. This week, I have the opportunity to sit in two different meetings. On Wednesday evening, I will have the opportunity to sit uh, with two women who have been out as queer and, and married for decades. And they are going to share their stories with a number of more conservative pastors. And I am humbled and honored that I get to be there and I get to listen to this. And my prayer is that all the pain and suffering that they have gone through, they will be able to tell this story, this testimony, and it will have power. Will have power in ways that maybe these pastors aren't used to interacting with. And then Thursday morning, again, I have the opportunity, I have no business being at this meeting, but uh, I'm going with, with two people, one of which was jumped into a gang when he was in junior high. The other which uh, was in a gang and, and led a gang for many years, um, but decided to get out of it after his second child uh, out, of, out of two children were, were both killed at, by gun violence uh, and, and he said, decided that he had to change his life. And so I'm going with these, these two men, leaders in, in our community, and we are going to speak to a city council member who doesn't believe that any tax dollars should go towards supporting anybody who might have a history like these two. And they're going to share their stories and talk about the support that they've received from the community and how they believe our city needs to come behind the work that they're doing and work with the, the youth that they're working with. And the level of, of pain and suffering that these two men have experienced, I pray that Jesus would give them the words. Whether they realize that whether they are asking Jesus to give them the words or not, but that Jesus would sure enough give these men these words in a way that would be able to transform this politician's mind. Whatever suffering you have been through, 
it might not be over. And it might not have helped you reach the goals in what you set out for. But please know that the story that you hold, your testimony, has so much power. The end, Jesus says that if you can just keep going, if you can endure, that endurance will feed your soul, that you will gain your soul. And I don't think this soul is in this ticket to heaven kind of soul. I think it's the soul that describes the kind of music that's called soul music. Natasha and I watched this documentary on the Apollo Theater. And the acts that came through this theater that made it what it is. And all these performances black artists in the 30s and 40s and 50s and 60s and 70s that had endured so much that weren't allowed to play in so many other theaters in New York City were given a home in this place. And because of their endurance, they had this soul, this soul that came out in their music. And that soul transformed the way that we Americans think about art. It is not fair. It is not right. The pain and the suffering that you have endured. But what you have gained from it, who you are today, you have soul, deep soul. The year after the bombing, they invited all of those who didn't have the opportunity to cross the line last year to come back. Didn't matter if they had qualified for it or not. Didn't matter if they had run a marathon since. In fact, it didn't matter if they had limbs to run on. And invited anybody who wanted to, to come back and to cross that finish line. And as you can imagine, it was not the same way of crossing the finish line that they had hoped for the year before. But the power of the way that they crossed the finish line. The fact that they were back there, that they kept going. carried this deep soul across that finish line. So Jesus has this message to you. That you are not alone in your suffering. And unfortunately there is no quick fix for it. But it is developing a story within you, a story of power. And if you continue and you carry that story forward, you will gain your soul thing that shapes who you truly are. Amen.
We are grateful for this place and this space. We are grateful that this has been the space in which we have been able to develop our souls. And so, uh, in this place and at this time, we want to give back to this space. We want to give so that others have the opportunity to come and be a part of this place. And so we give what we have. These baskets, these empty baskets, remind us that this church will remain empty. It will remain empty in numbers. It will remain empty in our finances. It will remain empty in our purpose unless we take what we have and we give to it. And so... I invite you to stop and to listen. How is God calling you to give to this community? And how is God calling you to give outside of this community as well?